It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra, but we don't have Tanitra today. That face you see over there is 11 Alive superstar Maria Martin. She's going to be sitting in for Tanitra today. And uh, Maria, I, want, I just want to start off by saying thank you for sitting in with us. And uh, welcome to ATL Day Ones. I am so honored that you asked me to fill in for the great and wonderful and talented Tanitra. I'm not Tanitra, but we're going to try to at least uh, fill the gap for today. I'm really, really grateful that you asked me to be on. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. And we are really grateful to you, the viewer, for, you know, checking out ATL Day Ones. We ask that you continue to like and subscribe to our YouTube page. And and if you are, you know, on the audio side as well, we're all on all platforms and you can find us there as well. First off, Maria, you know, I know you haven't had a chance to talk about it on our show, and I'm sure you have touched on it. But, you know, the Atlanta Falcons extend Grady Jarrett. Three years for about $51 million. It's going to turn out to be up to $17 million annually. First off, what do you think when you see that Grady Jarrett is going to be a Falcon for the next few years? Well, I think my first reaction on Twitter was this Falcons front office is doing work. Good job. I really thought this was fantastic because Grady was kind of the last piece that was looming over this front office front office's head right because we mm. saw what they did with Matt Ryan they get rid of him they restructure a couple of deals and really this front office was handed a cap situation that was horrible and they've done yes. the best that they can with that and now they're under the cap and by restructuring Grady's deal by giving him an extension by making sure that they're putting themselves in a better position financially, but also keeping a key piece to their defense. I think this is fantastic. He's been around since 2015. He's a kid that's from Conyers. Um, he's getting to stay home in the organization that drafted him, which I think he really wanted to do initially. Um, and I don't think that he would have even entertained this conversation had he not have believed in Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith and what they're building and what they're doing. And it's funny because I think his connection between between them two and also Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, has pretty much told us everything that we need to know about him being a veteran and their relationship and how they respect him. So I think by putting Grady in a position, one of the few veterans remaining on this roster right, right now, yes. mm -hmm. and you needed one on defense, right? Because we saw what they did with Jake Matthews on the offensive side of the ball. Well, what about the defense? You're keeping Grady Jarrett. I think it's fantastic. Puts them in a better situation money-wise. Even gives Grady a little bit of a better situation, maybe like a tinge uh, cheaper than he may have gotten somewhere else. But this is right. really going to be his last big deal. He's 29 years old. He's not going to go somewhere and sign something else now at this point. So keeping him here, the team that drafted him, Conyers kid, he loves Atlanta. Uh, I, I love it. 
you know, I, and I, I think you made a, a really great point when you talk about, you know, the foundation, right? You know, you talk about ha keeping Jake Matthews around because he was a guy that was around for that Super Bowl run. And, and you talk about Grady mm -hmm. Jerry. He was around by this, uh, for that Super Bowl run as well. Shoot. And, 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 and it was definitely a conversation for him probably being the Super Bowl MVP if they had a, yeah. pulled it out. I'm not going to say the score because I don't repeat the score on this show. And, you know, we, we, we refrain from doing stuff like that on ATL Day 1's, Maria, so I'm not going to go there. But I think that that whole foundation piece is something that I think means something, you know, because Grady is a, uh, pretty much a straight shooter, right? You know, and, and, you know, both of us have covered him for, you know, for, for quite some time, and, and we kind of understand the type of man that he is. So I, I think that keeping a guy like that around in the locker room at a I think it's a, a solid price, you know, and, and yeah. not overpaying necessarily. I, I think this, it's a good thing for Terry. And, and it brings me to this question. From a trust factor, where are you when it comes to come to Terry Fondo? Because I know I wasn't satisfied with the first round pick in Drake London. You know, we talked about it on, on your show. and But I think that after, from then on, I thought it was just something that was just really – I thought you really turned things around going into the draft. So where do you feel like you are from a trust factor? Well, I will say first and foremost, um, I'm a woman. So trust comes not very easily <laughs> for me. So right. we're going to have to give, you know, a little bit longer for me to trust Terry Fontenot. Um, You know, we're into the second year now with him being a part of this Falcons organization. But so far, so good. And I'll put it at that. That doesn't mean yes. I necessarily trust him completely. Um, and I think you and I have talked about this on my show. But, but here... I want everyone to know that this draft was successful, in my opinion, for the Falcons. Obviously, we're going to see the fruits of that labor, hopefully, here in the next year or two. But they're building, we keep going back to foundation, they're building the pieces of a foundation. And it proves to me that they're serious about going somewhere with this team. This draft tells me that they are very serious about taking this team yes. to the next level. They have a plan in place. And given what they were handed when they took the jobs to come to Atlanta, this is honestly, in my opinion, night and day. They were in a terrible situation. Their roster was just a hodgepodge of guys. And they're getting rid of some of these guys where people are saying, oh, you get rid of Matt Ryan, that sucks. And all of these guys that have a lot of experience, but they're giving you pieces in free agency, in the draft, that shows that they are putting the pieces in place for Atlanta to be successful. Uh, so, so far, so good. I'm not going to say I totally trust him, but um, I love where they're at salary cap wise. They're now under it, which is um, an incredible feat in and of itself. And Indeed. they're also maybe going to have a little bit more money now to go out and get another free agent signing now that they've done this with Grady. So I love what they're doing so far. Uh, we'll see once the winds start to trickle in and we'll see how this quarterback situation plays out. Cause that's, obviously a massive piece to your franchise and that is a huge question mark for the falcons heading into training camp heading into the season uh that will tell me a lot more about kind of his thought process and 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 how they see building this team yeah i think it's going to be very interesting and we're going to talk to locked on falcons expert aaron freeman look coming up in just a few minutes but before we get there i, I want to touch on what happened yesterday Atlanta Braves, they take, they get swept in a doubleheader. Yeah. And uh, we talked, uh, Tanisha and I talked about on the show about how we were so excited. I'm sitting up here like, yes, 
The Braves are back, baby. Travis Darno's spanking, spanking the, the kids up there in Gotham, and he's doing his thing against his former team. And Austin Riley's going crazy, and Ronald Acuna is back, and then you know Charlie Morton goes on the mound and just continues to struggle. And and the Braves, they just they just can't get it together, and they are seriously struggling when it comes to runners in scoring position. And and I think that's one of the things that I think that just really killing the Braves right now. Yeah, I think that that's one of the major pieces. I saw something where, you know, through 18 innings, they got one hit with a runner in scoring position. I mean, it is, wow. it's Struggling. suffocating this yes. team. And it's interesting because we've seen them struggle at the plate before. And I think I've heard Snickers say over and over, it's going to take one bat to open the floodgates. Okay, what's yes. that bat? I, I don't know who it is right now because Acuna is easing his way in, even though he doesn't want to be eased in. They're easing him in a little bit. He's had, honestly, even if he has like a one for four appearance at the plate, he's had successful appearances at the plate all the time. It doesn't mean, or often, if it's one for four, you can still have a successful outing at the dish. And he's had a few of those, but at the end of the day, you need runs to come across home plate, and that's not happening for the Braves. And not to mention the fact that Charlie Morton, who is struggling more and more and more with every outing, it's really fascinating because his strikeout count last year was at least higher than it is this year while he was struggling in the beginning of 2021. Now he's struggling. His strikeout count is low. He has no command of the ball. Um, so it's weird. On both sides of the ball, there's so many question marks. I think it's going to take one person – Snit said it. One person to open the floodgates. It's just, who is that going to be? You saw Matt Olson start really, really well with this team. It, everyone was very excited. They're like, okay, we knew what he could do defensively, but offensively, we're super stoked about what he can put together. And now he's kind of struggling. So yes. I think there's just a lot of question marks. Um, it's very fascinating. This is a team that, as baseball goes, has ebbs and flows and ups and downs. But they did that last year. It's just this year I'm a little more concerned because I don't know who the leader is. I don't know who that guy is to get this offensive production going. I mean, literally last year, they were the leading the majors in OPS with runners in scoring position, and they were second Total in the opposite, league right? with an on-base <laughs> percentage. And now we're looking at it like they're towards the bottom, bottom when yes. it comes to that, and they're 27th in the league right now with a 281 OBP. They're getting on-base 28% of the time. It's it's uh, a head-scratcher, seriously. And the fact that they got swept by the Mets is bad in a doubleheader because, like you talked about, Travis Darno, that was so exciting. Everybody was really excited about them opening the series against the Mets, who are leading the division right now. And then Which they have to crazy. close it out in New York. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't even want to go there. And the Braves are so far behind at this point. Come on, man. Seriously, I, it's, it's bad. It's early, but still, we don't, we don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, but then they don't get a break. They have the Brewers at home. They're, they're going to get one day break in between finishing out with the Mets this afternoon. And then they're going to come home and face the Brewers. But they got to figure this out. It, it's, it's a mess. And... Hey, one bright spot that has nothing to do with on-base percentage is Kyle Wright, even though he struggled a little bit yesterday and was outing against the Mets. Um, go like save it in though. Wright. That was that was clutch. That was key. I mean, hopefully, you yes. know, with Kyle Wright, you know, going to seven innings, that kind of saved the bullpen. So hopefully, this afternoon they can get get a win and get at least split the series. It's kind of like what I. Eventually, what I I was hoping coming into the series because they were struggling so much when it comes to runners on runners on base. So I, I think that you know, and Anderson is on the mound against Tyler McGill. So we will see if 
if that is the the formula for stopping stopping the bleeding because you know getting swept by the Mets I understand they are off to a really hot start but I just hot uh, start I don't buy it I just don't buy the Mets and it'll be summertime if if they still have this a uh, seven game deficit and the Braves are still in fourth place and sitting at 11:15 you know all right okay I might start to believe it but I can't believe it right now all right what come what you're gonna have to believe is Aaron Freeman he's coming up next we're locked on Falcons we're gonna go all in about the draft we're gonna get his reaction we're gonna see if he went on a rant after the the Falcons picked Drake London let's ask him that's next on ATL day ones with Jarvis and T with Maria Martin filling in it is ATL day ones and with Jarvis and Tanitra but no Tanitra today Maria Martin is sitting in and holding it down for the home team on ATL day ones part of locked on sports Atlanta and we want to thank you for liking and subscribing to our YouTube page. And also, always, always go, if you want to listen to us, go to, you can download us on any audio platform. We are there wherever you download your podcast. And we want to welcome in another family member, a part of Lock On Sports Atlanta, Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons. Man, Aaron Freeman, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Well, I want to start off here, man, because we had conversations leading up to the NFL draft about how we would lose our absolute minds if the Falcons drafted a wide receiver. And guess what they did? They went out and drafted a wide receiver. So what did you break in your house, man, when you saw Drake London's name go across that screen? <laughs> I, I, you know, I just did that little sad walk away. Uh, from the TV and just had to, to go, you know, take a lap around the house to get my mind right. Uh, yeah, man, it, it, you know, we talked about this before. It seems like every time the Falcons draft a wide receiver, it seems to coincide with like two or three years where their offensive line is terrible. Uh, yeah. and it, it, I think those two things are like related, but, you know, you invest in one part of your roster, you don't invest in the other part of your roster, and it leads to, to bad things happening. But you know, as was the case, you know, years ago when they traded for Peerless Price or Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley, um, you know, ultimately, with the exception of one of those guys, uh, Peerless Price, if you, if you didn't gather, uh, you know, you ultimately yeah. become a fan of the player. And so you, ultimately, you know, just like, well, as long as this guy's out there making plays and, and putting points on the board or whatever the case may be, you know, it's not my problem. I'm not the quarterback that's going to be on his backside, uh, you know, in, in terms of that offensive line. So I've made my peace with it at this point in time. I'm a big fan of Drake London. Uh, I was going into the draft. So if they at least we're going to take a wide receiver, at least get one of the ones that I actually liked in this draft last yeah, I kind of like that. And Aaron, you know, Jarvis and I have talked at nauseum about how we were initially confused by the wide receiver pick at eight. But past that, we felt like the Falcons did a very good job in this draft. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I think they, they really attack some of their key needs. I think with the wide receiver pick, they're getting a lot more explosive on offense. That was a key element missing. Uh, we know that they desperately needed some pass rush, so they were able to attack that in round two, get Arnold Epichetti, a player that a lot of people thought might go in round one, so that was really good value. And then they got an answer at the quarterback position uh, in Desmond Ritter. We have to find out if he's the answer at the quarterback position uh, this upcoming season. But they have you know, a young guy on their roster that has a lot of talent, a lot of people were big fans of Desmond Ritter, and this is the possibility that he could be the future of this franchise and to get him in round three, you know, could represent a massive steal uh, for the Falcons. Uh, and they got some solid other, you know, pieces 
Troy Anderson potentially at linebacker in the middle of their defense. They got another pass rusher in D'Angelo Malone. They got some running back help in Tyler Algier. They got some depth on the offensive line and that tied in with the two Georgia boys in round six. So, uh, you know, they were able to attack some of the key needs uh, this offseason. You know, they've still got a long way to go uh, to get that sort of complete playoff roster, but they needed to take some big first steps this year, and I think they were able to do that. You know what, and I, I I wholeheartedly agree. But like I said, man, you know I know how I was feeling after day one, in day two, and day three. I was like, okay, I understand where you're going now because we, you know, Maria and I talked about in the in the, in the first segment about you know building a foundation and having people that you know not only veterans but you know having young guys come in and be part of that foundation because so you can build a better defense and not have the quarterback on his back. And then again, the, the score getting run up on Sundays at one o'clock. So, but I, I, I think the guy that you mentioned though, it, it kind of stood out to me, Arnold Abikati. So I, I think he's a guy that I thought, you know, that he probably may fall in that first round because I got a chance to see him, get my eyes on him down at the Senior Bowl. I thought he did well, and you know, for me, I think he's probably one of the guys that potentially may be a day one starter. Do you think he has the necessary pieces to to put it together to be that guy that can be penciled in at the start on day one? Yeah, I, I can't think of someone who's going to start over him on this <laughs> Right, by default, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you know, they, they were desperately needing pass rushers, right? Yes. You know, uh, so I, I think he'll be plug-and-play starter. The question is, is going to be how NFL-ready is he? He certainly flashes a lot of potential. Um, and it's just going to be whether or not he's got the polish. And I think that will come with time. Like, I'm not going to put these huge expectations and come out as a rookie and get like 10 sacks or anything ridiculous like that. But uh, certainly a guy that I think can contribute and enhance this roster. And I know Grady Jarrett, now that he's re-upped in Atlanta, is just desperately looking for other guys around him that can, you know, get some pressure on the quarterback so that when he's getting doubled and triple teamed, at least one of these guys is getting single teamed and able to win in those situations. I think Arnold Abichetti, along with Lorenzo Carter, the free agent pickup that they had, uh, are the two guys that are best positioned to do that. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like Grady just agreeing to this contract extension tells you that he's confident in some of these pieces that they're building around him. Because listen, he's not wanna, he doesn't want to go out there on Sundays now being in his seventh year, you know, just getting beat to death like he has been. Um, you know, Aaron, we continuing to talk about the draft. There's a lot of picks that were intriguing. Do you feel like there's one specifically where you may be surprised at the fact that they picked that? Um, it's a six round pick, so it's not that surprising. You know, you can't put too many expectations, but Justin Schaefer, the Georgia guard, um, he was interesting because I feel like some of the issues he had at Georgia are the same issues that you had, you saw last year with Jalen Mayfield, the left guard. So it makes me sit here and go like, I know you wanted to bring in competition. I know you wanted to get maybe a bigger, stronger guard there. And I think Schaefer checks those boxes, but I think some of his same flaws are the same flaws that Jalen Mayfield had. So it doesn't, even if he does wind up beating out Jalen Mayfield in a competition, you just kind of feel like you're you're back at the same place that you were a year ago. And so that was a little bit of a, a head scratcher for me. The Troy Anderson pick is another one that I wouldn't say was a bad pick. Um, but there were certainly some other linebackers that I think a lot of people thought were better. Certainly, I probably thought a couple of guys were better. Kobe Dean from Georgia, Chad Muma from Wyoming seemed to be guys that maybe were a little bit more NFL-ready than Troy Anderson, but I know part of the reason why the Falcons were attracted to Troy Anderson 
was because their running backs coach, Michael Petrie, coached Troy Anderson at Montana State when he was a freshman playing the running back position before he ultimately moved to linebacker. And everything I've heard about Troy Anderson seems to suggest that he's, you know, a, a high character guy, has that leadership qualities uh, in addition to the athleticism. So I get why the Falcons drafted him and they're basically betting on his upside and his potential, not necessarily where he's going to be in year one, but where he's going to be in years three and four and whatever the case may be. So it, it was a little surprising uh, if the Falcons were looking for somebody to get on the field right away, but I don't know if that's really the plan for Troy Anderson. It's really about what they can develop in the future for him. And so that pick makes a little bit more sense with that mindset. And you know what? I think, I think Troy Anderson was an interesting pick to me as well, because here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm, um, Tanisha and I had a, a conversation about Deion Jones and kind of where his future lies with this team. Do you, th- I mean, and just looking at the linebacker room, let's just take Deion Jones out of it, right? You got you got Troy Anderson, you have Rashawn Evans, you have Michael Walker, who I thought played really well last year. They had asked him to bulk up. You know, we had a question, we had a, a conversation with him, you know, leading into last season. He was talking about how he bulked up and, and they wanted him to be a little bit more thicker out there because, you know, and um, when you run that odd ball, odd offensive defensive lineman scheme, you know, in DMPs, like you need your linebackers to be able to take on blocks. At some point, they're going to take on blocks. And, you know, with Dan Quinn's scheme, you know, Deion Jones was a better fit, right? You know, because those guys are allowed to run and roam and make tackles and run free. And you set it up that way. But I think that with Troy Anderson being drafted, you know, all the guys that I just named, you know, in that linebacker room, is Troy Anderson Deion Jones' replacement? Is I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because you do sit here and you look at a player like Deion Jones and you probably say if he's going to be back this year, this is probably going to be his last season. We've heard rumors for a while now since last year at the Falcons were looking to move on from Deion Jones and apparently so far have not gotten any takers via trade or whatever the case may be. So we'll sort of see if they try to move on from him after June 1st, if they can potentially shop him later uh, at the trade deadline, if something comes to that, or if Deion Jones comes back and, you know, looks like the player that he was a couple of years ago, as you mentioned in Dan Quinn's scheme and can get back to being that playmaker uh, that he, you know, led to him being, you know, a beloved Falcon and one of the higher paid linebackers in the league. So that ability is still there. You just, as you put it, Jarvis, I think you do wonder a little bit if the scheme is going to be able to bring it out of him. Uh, and so I think Troy Anderson is a shot across the bow towards a Deion Jones. But at the same time, like Rashawn Evans only signed a one-year contract. Uh, so you could also look at Troy Anderson as the future at that position, that Rashawn Evans is just basically their bridge to get the Falcons through this year, to have a veteran in here uh, before they sort of turn the keys over to Troy Anderson to be maybe that leader in the middle. Uh, and then you could have a situation, you know, maybe – as early as next year, where it's Troy Anderson and Michael Walker sort of manning the middle while Rashawn Evans and Deion Jones just kind of keep the seat warm for them in 2022. You talk about bridging the gap. One of the positions that that comes to mind with the Falcons in bridging the gap would be the quarterback position. They bring in Marcus Mariota, who clearly they have a connection with him already. Arthur Smith was with him with the Titans, and so they bring him in even though he really doesn't have a lot of experience in the NFL. He hasn't really panned out I guess, to what people really thought initially he would be. Jarvis and I have talked about how the quarterback position in the NFL is so tricky to get right. It is so difficult to get it right. So they bring in a guy in the third round in Desmond Ritter, who was really good at Cincinnati. 
What do you think about that Desmond pick? And how do you feel overall about where the quarterback situation is now that Matt Ryan has departed and we don't really know what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you, how do you get into the Falcons quarterback situation? You had, right. you had, how'd 14, it go there? Sorry. Deshaun Watson. Years, yeah. yeah. What happened? You had 14 years of stability and then you've had like three months of just like turmoil. Uh, and and Chaos. so, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I think what, what you like about Desmond Ritter is he may not necessarily wow you with sort of the ability, although he is a very talented quarterback, has good athleticism, mobility, arm strength, all those various things. But it's really sort of the intangibles and the poise that he brought to the table, uh, that he brings mm -hmm. to the table, uh, going to Cincinnati, which was a, a solid program when he arrived, but, you know, probably a second tier type of program. And then, you know, building them into a national title contender, uh, getting better each and every year. And you hear, you know, people talk about the leadership and the poise and the intangibles. And when you kind of think back of, of Matt Ryan, when he came out, uh, way back in the day, um, you know, it wasn't Matt Ryan was wowing you with arm strength and, and, and abilities and physical tools. It was those intangibles doing a similar thing to Boston College, uh, who, at you know, at, at the peak of his senior year was a team that I think was number two in the country uh, before things kind of unraveled. Uh, towards the end of his senior year there. So you, you do see some parallels with Desmond Ritter potentially with Matt Ryan. I think the main difference is, you know, uh, Matt Ryan went to a situation in Atlanta where he had a running back that could really take a lot of the pressure off of him to come in and, and be, you know, an elite passer. He was a very productive passer as a rookie. Uh, and we saw that Falcon team surprise a lot of folks uh, by going to the play postseason. Um, you do wonder if, you know, history can repeat itself with a team that has low expectations going into the season. And, and maybe Desmond Ritter can provide that sort of spark for this team. I think as far as Marcus Mariota, similar to the conversation we've had about the linebacker position. I mean, you know, Marcus Mariota is a, a perfectly solid quarterback, but uh, I think really the reality of the situation for the Falcons is that he's a bridge quarterback. And, you know, what's that bridge headed to? Is it potentially headed to Desmond Ritter? Is it headed to another quarterback, possibly as early as next year at the top of next year's draft? Who knows at this point in time? But I do think it is important for the Falcons um, and I know Mark Zeno has been preaching this the last couple of days on his show uh, to find out what they have in Desmond Ritter this year so that they can make an informed decision about the long term future of their quarterback position. Should they find themselves in a position to go get a guy next year? You want to know if, if is Desmond Ritter the guy. And again, he's probably not going into a situation where he's going to come in and, and light the world on fire. But you're just kind of looking for flashes that say, OK, this guy can play. This guy can keep this team competitive, you know, even if it's only for a, a handful of stretches and some of the starts that he gets. So I think that's kind of the overriding mission uh, for the Falcons this season. Find out if Desmond Ritter can play and if he's the guy. Um, but, you know, I, I think that would be sort of an interesting conversation that's going to hang over the head of this season sort of like we just got to figure out what this quarterback situation is because as you said we, you know 14 years of stability with matt ryan and now it's just kind of been turmoil this last couple of years and we're just kind of looking for somebody to come in and just stabilize these things yeah i think it's definitely gonna be something to keep an eye on because marcus mariota has never played a full season as a pro so by by default, we've been using that word a lot in in this in this particular uh, segment. You know, he may get his opportunity to do that. Aaron, we want to appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for uh, joining us, and and uh, I'll be looking forward to talking with you tomorrow 
on Locked On Falcons, man. We're going to mix it up tomorrow, man. Get into it and talk talk some draft. And we want to thank you for st- uh, sticking around with us. Don't go anywhere. For the culture is next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We got Maria Martin, who's been rocking with me the whole day. And she I haven't got on her nerves yet. Like, uh, I'm Not so yet. excited. Not yet. <laughs> you got like six more minutes, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. So, yeah, hopefully for these next six minutes, we can uh, we, we can get through this and, and have a little fun here on the For the Culture segment, which we is the intersection between sports and entertainment. And We'll throw some culture in there as well. But we're going to start off with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he said that uh, in an interview, um, you know, in offseason, they have offseason workouts and everything like that. So he was asked about, you know, mentoring Malik Willis. But Maria, he uh, said it's not his job to mentor him. <laughs> Do you have a problem with how Ryan Tannehill answered that question? Oh, this is so fascinating to me because really, (laughs) as soon as it came out of his mouth, the first thing that I thought was, okay, Ryan Tannehill is threatened by Malik Willis and he is threatened by somebody Mm -hmm. coming for his job. Because when you look at Ryan Tannehill and what he did in Tennessee or what he is doing, this is coming from a Dolphins fan, okay? So when Ryan was in Miami, I didn't like him. I wanted to get rid of him. He played wide receiver coming out of college. Ugh, it was, play one year. I was so confused. <laughs> I was so confused the whole time, right, at Texas A&M. Yes. So then he goes to Tennessee, and Arthur Smith kind of revitalizes his career and makes him look yes. like this quarterback that I didn't even know existed. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait, is Brian Tannehill good? Like, I'm confused because <laughs> no, I don't wait. know this quarterback. But then last year, that went away. Arthur Smith goes away. Ryan Tannehill's, uh, I don't know, sneaky talent goes away. And so now – there is a question mark when it comes to his job, which I think that's kind of where that comment was coming from. It's a place of insecurity. He knows he does have to prove some things this season because he's eyeing down a contract situation where they could get rid of him next year. And so I think it's insecurity. Um, But if you're going to be a veteran and you're going to be a leader and you have a guy coming into your position group and into the quarterback room, just coach him up. I mean, it's not going to be that hard. Just be nice to him. You don't even need to say that. Um, so yeah, I do have a problem with it because I think if we're going to be a leader at the end of the day, no, it is not his job to take care of Malik Willis, but you've seen quarterbacks previously do that. I think it's the right thing to do. I think he's just threatened at the end of the day. I mean, Malik Willis putting it on paper, he was a third round draft pick. When you pick up a quarterback in the third round, there is a chance that he could play for you. That is what they're telling you. And he knows that. And he knew that whenever they drafted him in the third round. So I think he's threatened. I think it's insecurity, but I don't think he should have said it. Yeah, and because we just had a conversation about Desmond Ritter and how he can be the potentially be the starter going for you know for the Atlanta Falcons yep. this year in his rookie season. So you know when you have a guy like Willis, who's everybody projected coming into the draft that 
hey, he might be a first-round pick. So first-round picks don't sit anymore. So to get a sure. guy like that, of that ilk, or at least that those capabilities in the third round, yeah, I kind of get why he comes like that. But my whole thing is with him, <laughs> I think I think Ryan Tannehill just – doesn't have any confidence like you say he had a bad season the last time mm-hmm. we saw him play he was 15 or 24 for 220 yards one touchdown three interceptions they lost yeah. to the Bengals. the Bengals yeah. were able to go to the super bowl because of you ryan Tannehill. so i think that's probably <laughs> where that's some of that that insecurity is coming from and you know when, when you think about it I kind of get it. I understand. I understand why yeah. you're a little insecure about that because, hey, yeah. if that was the last time people saw me on the field and, you know, the first time my team comes into the conversation, they're talking about, oh, yeah, they took a, a guy who's supposed to go in the first round in the third round. <laughs> yeah, man, that's I kind of understand it. So, um, yeah. you know, but going forward, though, I, I think there is some – it has to be some sense of professionalism. Now, I will give him credit. He did call him and congratulate him. Um, Malik Willis yes. did it. Ryan Tannehill called yes. him, and, you know, and congratulated him on being drafted. So, I think you know this may be a little bit overblown, but it's just a bad look for him. I think overall, just by how he answered it and the way he answered it, you know, because it's a simple, yeah. If he has questions, I'll answer his question. But we in a competition, and boom, you keep it moving. Um, but that's it. Of, that's all he had to do. Yeah, it's yeah, a prove that's it, all he had it's to a do. prove it yeah. year for Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. So he's just a little mm-hmm. bothered, and honestly. Like, just to keep this really short, Malik Willis was the wrong guy to do that to because he's very outspoken. He's going to call you out. And you don't, the last thing you want to do is cause headbutting in your quarterback room before things even start. So I just think he could have just said two things about it and then moved on with his life. Instead, we're all talking about how he doesn't want to coach him up. It's silly. No doubt about it. And, and the one thing I want to think about, I want to say, Maria, before we get out of here, um, I, I think that he is. It's going to be really interesting to see how Malik Willis responds to this, right? You know, he, for yeah. him to say something like that. He's like, okay, you called me and congratulated me, but you're saying, like, I ain't got to mention you and all this stuff like that. Like, come on. Like, which one is it? Like, I know one thing yeah. about, you know, Malik, you know, being from Atlanta, you know, we want you to be consistent. Like, you can be a consistent butthole or you can be a consistent, you know, good guy. You know, choose. That's right. But don't be in the middle. Like, so you can't be yeah. a butthole in, in front of the media and then try to be cool with me, you know, on my phone. So that's the whole thing with me. Just be consistent, Ryan. That's all I ask, brother. And I would like to thank you, Maria, for being consistent and jumping on with me today. I really appreciate you. Uh, Tanitra will be back for all you people asking where she is. That's fine. You know, Maria did an excellent job. I didn't get on her oh, nerves. Oh, thank you. So I, I think, you know, we got to <laughs> yeah. thank her for that. And um, also want to thank you for making ATL Day 1s your first listen every day. And want to let you know that we are going to be talking about the Braves. Hopefully they get a win tomorrow, maybe, possibly so. And uh, we won't be thinking about our concerns or talking about our concerns, you know, about this team going forward because this is still early in the season. But, yeah, want to make sure you come back for that. Now I'm asking you, asking you, I'm not begging. I can beg if you want me to. Um, but a second listen, I want to make you a second listen for A to Z to Mark Zeno. Maria knows Mark Zeno, he's crazy. He has all these crazy hot take opinions. So, yeah, make sure you check him out. He's part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, free and available on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. Y'all come back now, you hear? Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad 
free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.